take some of our prayers this morning. Bill uh, Schreiner is home. Uh, Yay! Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if you want to see if they're up to a visit, please call first. And uh, they've been having phone trouble, so if you can't get through, just call again the next day or some other day, you know, later down the road. But uh, they covet your prayers. And thank you for your many prayers. And so uh, just uh, keep him in grace. Uh, he's going to be going through his rehab at this point. They're going to try to do it at home and see how that goes. And I know Phil, he loves his lounge chair. And he would rather stay at home. <laughs> so uh, just keep him in prayer. And, uh, and Arlene as well. And then uh, Diane Van, uh, they're moving her from Sonoma to Willett getting her a little bit closer to home. And so uh, looking for an opportunity to get her to be able to move back up here uh, from the, the uh, healthcare center down there. And then uh, Kay has a praise the Lord. Her eyes have, uh, the doctor used some new drops and stuff and her eyes cleared up except for the cataract. But that's amazing because that had to happen before anything could be done with the cataract. So now they can deal with that and uh, she's looking forward to being able to get her eyesight back and drive again. And then Kathleen, home recovering from surgery, uh, doing well, and uh, we praise the Lord for that. Uh, would anybody like to add anything to the prayer? Father, we thank you so much. We see your hand working uh, in people's lives, and Lord, in our own lives, and it's just so awesome to know that God of all creation he has loved us so much and saved us, cares for us day by day. You know ahead of the moment what is needed in each of our things. We bring our brother Phil and our sister Arlene to you and, and thank you for them and, and how much they've done for us. And now we look for the opportunity to call alongside them. And uh, just give us wisdom and understanding as to how to minister to their needs. And we thank you, Lord, that uh, Phil's at home. We would ask that uh, things would work out so that Phil could stay there, possibly, Lord, and to do his rehabilitation there. Uh, be with the home health care people and let them see exactly what he needs and what will strengthen him. We pray the same over Diane. We just allow him to have her back up here. And where we can see her and come alongside. And so we ask Lord that you would be with her. And for Kay, just thank you that her eyes are getting well. We pray now for a door that would open to taking care of the cataract in a timely way. We don't hesitate to pray for the miracle in all these cases that would bring healing. And we bring Kathleen to you and thank you for her recovery. And ask that you would be with her, comfort her, strengthen her body. Lord, now as we go to your word this morning. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds. Change us, Lord, into the men and women you want us to be. We thank you that you call us your children. We worship you and praise you in Jesus' name. Well, good morning. Thank you. 
For those who are watching uh, online, we know we're having some live stream problems right now as uh, a lot of homes seem to have up here. We have, uh, we're at the mercy of the internet and the internet speeds. So if you are watching this uh, live stream and everybody who's sitting in church is looking at me going, who are you talking to? Uh, I just want you to know that at probably about noon, Thank you. 
My hope is that um, by doing this today and you doing the reading over the next several days and next week, that it will both invite you and, and interest you in going and maybe doing a little more detailed study. There's a lot in these letters. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot for us to learn as Christians and how to live our Christian walk and how to live in a church environment in these uh, letters. So it's very rich. Don't, don't not go back and, and spend a little time with them. I think you will, you will enjoy them and learn a lot from them. So the title, Pastoral Epistles, which is somewhat self-explanatory, was, was actually only first used concerning these couple books, uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus in the early 1700s. It's, it's a fairly new title that's put on them, and we still are using them in more modern times. So if, if you were to speak to somebody about these epistles, more than likely they would have a commentary maybe that is listed under Paul's epistles or Paul's pastoral epistles or something like that. It's, it's a fairly common title to use. And while they are called pastoral epistles, they don't specifically detail pastoral duties as such, as we might think they would, but they're directed to people who have pastoral responsibility and with the responsibility of appointing pastors over some of the local churches at that particular time. So Paul was addressing some specific issues toward those churches and Amazingly, with how the Word of God works, um, even issues that seem to be common in the old days of the Old Testament and in the early church seem to continue today. We deal with a lot of the same issues, which is why we're able to learn from them and use them and benefit from them the Word of God today. As a little bit of a point of issue towards uh, these particular letters. Uh, there are some modern day Bible scholars who have contested that Paul is the author of these, this group of letters. Because to them, they seem to have differences in the letter's format, the style, the vocabulary, just the way it was constructed, the way it was written, than what we would typically be able to read in Paul's other writings and other works. They would claim that the letters were probably more in the style of what we would expect of, say, Luke, who wrote the, the Gospel of Luke and Acts. It's a little more in that style. But I would, I would say to that in, in response that that doesn't mean that Paul was not the author of these letters, just because modern scholars are questioning this doesn't it only would mean that maybe because he was in prison that some of the time, and maybe he didn't have the ability to have the uh, writing materials to write these letters himself. He may have had a scribe, maybe Luke, who knows, that came and visited, and he would share the letter or dictate the letter to him from memory. And then Luke would go back, or the scholar would go back and sit down and, and write it. In, in all likelihood, from memory and putting his own touch to it, his own style, 
to the writing as he's writing it out. So that could definitely be an uh, explanation why there might be a little bit of that difference. And, uh, but it is important, I think, that all six letters that we're addressing today are claimed by Paul in the opening creed and then occasionally throughout the body he will mention his name and that he wrote this. And just as important, it's universally accepted by early church leaders, which is important to us because they were the leaders and who was closest to the time of Christ and the founding of the church. These were the, the men who were documenting and explaining and helping us understand what was being taught. The early church leaders all accepted that Paul was also the writer of the articles as well. So I don't think there's any question in any message that since Paul uh, has taken authorship of these, and that the early church uh, is accepted that, that 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 is where I can trust all wrote this. So let's start off by turning to 1 Thessalonians today. Each of these letters address either a specific church, such as the two letters here that address the church in Thessalonica, or to a specific person, such as to Timothy, or Titus, or Philemon. First Thessalonians is probably the earliest letter that was written by Paul, even earlier than uh, the one to Romans and uh, other letters that we may have. This is probably the first one, the earliest one. And we can uh, read in Acts chapter 17. Remember the book of Acts goes through the various missionary trips that Paul in a detail of the visit that he had and the founding of this church in Thessalonica by Paul and Silas on their what was called their first missionary trip while they were preaching and teaching there. And we're told in that section that many Jews and Gentiles, priests, were saved and followed Christ under their teaching. And the church began to grow, and that caused jealousy. And uh, fear in the local communities among the Jews, the unsaved Jews, and the, the uh, Roman officials, so the Roman, uh, the people who were kind of in charge of the government at the time in that location. And they accused Paul and Silas of teaching specifically that there's another king. And they were, that they were teaching about King Jesus. But that was a threat to the Caesar. Because at that time, in the Roman Empire, the teaching was that Caesar was the king and he was going to. So this was a challenge to his authority, his, his, uh, his reign. So it was successful in causing disruptions and causing persecution and ended up having Paul and Silas having to flee the city uh, very quickly in, in a short notice. We find later on that Paul sends Timothy, who we'll, we'll talk about briefly uh, a little bit more in detail, to check on Thessalonica, the church there. And when he was there, Paul 
in this letter to address, uh, or after Timothy comes back and checks on it, he sends this letter to address some issues. While Timothy was there, he actually found out that even while the church was having intense persecution and pressures put on them by the, the local government and the, the people outside the church, that the church had been growing and flourishing. And, and many of his peers were proven to be uh, 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 no necessity in the sense of concern that the church was being stamped out. And I, for some reason, just thought about in our lifetime, or at least in my lifetime, and uh, a lot of you here were in that same lifetime, uh, when China, at a period of time after the communists had taken over, they shut the borders down and really stifled contact with the outside world, with the Western world, and they were trying to stamp out the church in China, and it was shut down for several decades, I don't remember exactly how long, but it was, for, it was a significant period of time, and everyone was praying for the church in, in China, and they were concerned about the Christians there, and, and what was happening to them, and eventually they reopened the borders, and contacts seemed to be more common with uh, other churches in China, out that not only had the church not died under persecution, but it had flourished. And it expanded. It was just tens of thousands of members all over China. And it had grown. And uh, that was probably the relief, same type of relief that Paul had when he received word that this church in Thessalonica that he loved, that he started, that he was involved with, had grown instead of um, suffering uh, and shutting down because of persecution. Paul had many reasons to write the Thessalonians, uh, especially because they had to leave quickly. He probably didn't finish the teaching that he was hoping to do. There were some things that he wanted to discuss with them, some things that he wanted to show them about Scripture. So he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to address some of the false allegations that were being made by people still in Thessalonica against Paul and Silas. He wanted to comfort them in their persecution. We kind of forget about that. There's people around the world, Christians around the world and other closed communities in the Muslim countries and so forth that they are under persecution because of their faith. And we should be seeking ways to encourage them and comfort them in their persecution. Paul wanted to rejoice with them in their endurance in the faith. It was a great thing. It was, it was, it was wonderful to hear that not only were they growing as numbers, but they were growing in their faith. And persecution has a way of doing that. I think I've heard in the past people who have been under persecution as actually stating that they feel sorry for Christians in the Western part of the hemisphere here in the U.S. and so forth because we don't suffer any persecution. And because of that, a lot of times I think we take our faith uh, for granted. And uh, I think they, they probably pray for us in a lack of 
And then Paul wanted to remind them of the importance of moral purity of the, uh, of the church in Thessalonica because it was a very sensual uh, society around it, involved in uh, a lot of immorality because of idol worship and, and sacrifices to those, temple prostitution and the various things that took place. And he wanted to correct some of the incorrect teaching on future events when Christ returns, which we'll see in the the letters that talks about some of the, the end times and is very revealing some of the information it provides. He wanted to encourage them to work out some of the differences that some of the people were having in church life. You know, in church life, in the local church, just like in a local family, in your family, there are differences. There are struggles. You don't always get along with each other. Sometimes you don't like each other. And that can happen in a local church in the sense of, of personality differences and, and, and differences in opinions, differences in things. But it doesn't mean that we're 